I remember glancing at Rita uh, as we stepped up to the back of the boat. I, I looked over at her, and and I was looking to see if she was nervous. Uh, the, the reality is the man code that we live by, guys, you know what I'm talking about. There's certain things that, that as men we're just required to do. It. And, and I was up against one of those things at this time. And so the man code required that I not be, be worried, that I not be nervous at all. Uh, so, so when I glanced at Rita, and I guess it really didn't make any difference if she was nervous or not. My responsibility to, as a man was to act tough, but, but it really kind of bothered me when I looked over at her. Instead of being nervous, she had a smile on her face. Now maybe she was inside nervous, but she had a smile on her face and, and her look was kind of like, well, let's do this. This is going to be great. Man, I put even more pressure on me as we climbed to the back boat. See, we were, we were out in the Caribbean just off the coast of Cancun and we were going to parasail. And it was one of those, maybe you've seen them where, where you, you sit in a, a, a port swing really is about, a, about what it was, but it's a little two person contraption. They strap you in and they send you up, I don't know, it's four to five thousand feet up in the air so, so you can see the, the beauty. And so as we're walking back for our turn, let me just be honest here for a second. I was a little concerned. I was a little nervous. Uh, did any of you see that video? It's been a few years ago. Where I think it was in South Florida, uh, th- this girl was parasailing and the rope broke, and she went flying up and, and oh, it was terrible. She banged in the side of a of a motel and then crashed on the. Did you saw that? So that was in my mind. And so as we stepped up, I'm looking at that rope uh, that that's on that big reel, and now it looked like it was okay because they'd said on that report, be sure to check those ropes. Of course, we're in Mexico, and I'm sure they check that stuff very very uh, very well every day, but. Uh, I checked the rope and, and it looked to be fine. Now it wasn't nearly big enough. I was hoping to be one of those big old tow ropes, but it looked like about a clothesline width, but it, it looked like it was okay. And we climbed into, to, to that chair and, it, and they take a, take a belt and strap across us and pop it in and take one up between each of our legs and snap it in. And, and just before we were to go up, the guy checked the coupler where the rope hooked onto the, hooked onto the thing. And before I could, before I could cry, no, I don't want to do this, up we went. Uh, and I tell you what, it was an amazing view. We were so high, I saw, I saw Cuba, uh, and a little bit of South Florida from, from the height that we, well, maybe not that much, but, but we were up there, and, and I'll be honest, as I glance over at Rita again, she's still smiling. And, and we're kind of buffing around, and I'm looking, what, what happens if this whole thing just flips up? Will we, and the only thing that allowed me to semi-enjoy this trip up into the atmosphere was the safeguards. The, they had pulled a belt across and snapped it in. And I believe me, you I, I was looking at to make sure that was still snapped. And it they'd buckled up so that we were tight there. And I, I was watching that clip where the rope connected to the contraption and it was good and tight and it wasn't going to fall off and so the only thing that gave me any sense of 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 enjoyment was the safeguards that were put into place we're going to look this morning uh, in psalm chapter 37 it's kind of interesting uh god does amazing things the the verse that uh ao read here this morning from psalm chapter 3 goes perfectly with the uh, uh with the text today the the song the last song that we sang i will trust i will trust in you goes Perfectly what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to look in Psalm chapter 37, the first three or four verses. And, and what these verses tell us, what they're really giving us is 
is some safeguards. That, that if we will, will look at these safeguards, if we will put our hope in these safeguards, if we'll realize that they're there and put them into practice, no matter what we face, no matter what we're up against, we will find, uh, find ourselves to be okay. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 37. This is a Psalm of David. It says, Do not fret because of evil men, or, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like the green plants, they will soon die away. And notice here, and these are the safeguards. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I would encourage you, if you have an opportunity this afternoon, go ahead and read the rest of that Psalm 37. There's some, some cool verses in there. We'll look at a couple more of them here as we, we go. These, these safeguards are there. We'll look at four of them that will, will guard us against what David calls their fretting. What David calls, and we could call, we could say that worry, we could call that being up against a giant, we could call that a, a number of different things, but David calls it there, don't fret when these things happen to you. Uh, now, now the first note I want to make here before we actually get started looking at these safeguards is the fact that David mentions it. The, the reality, and that's one of the cool things about the book of Psalms, as we're looking at it over the next, uh, the, the next couple months, I, I, I hope it will encourage you to to find solace there. Because the truth is, in the book of Psalms, we find real life. When you're struggling with heartache, you can, you can open up the book of Psalms and, and there's a Psalm that will speak directly to your heart, like, like A.O. did from, from Psalm chapter three. If you find yourself in a joyous moment, man, you can find Psalms there that just, that just reiterate that and pour that, uh, even more so in, in your heart. But the reality is David, David speaks to real life stuff here. He points it out, guys. Don't fret when you're up against evil men. Don't fret when you're up against hard times. Don't fret. Don't be worried when when life doesn't treat you well. Be strong instead. Don't worry. Don't fret. See, David David had many opportunities in his life to fret. Uh, the, the Psalm chapter 3 was when his son Absalom was pursuing him. We know that he went up against... Uh, uh, even after being uh, anointed the king, uh, that his brothers were against him. We know he went up against uh, Goliath after that. We know that that, that, that he went up against Saul. Uh, he had all kinds of times. Sometimes it was because of his own, do, own doing. Sometimes it was others. But David went against difficult times in his life. And here he says, don't fret. The, the first one he talks about there is in verse 3. Trust in the Lord. Fretting is, is in, in a sense, it's concentrating on what has happened, what is happening, or what might happen, uh, happen, and allowing that to bind us up. So the first safeguard against fretting, the first safeguard against worry is to trust. Now, now notice I put there, it's trying to trust. That's not what the passage says. The passage is a little bit more imperative there. It's a little bit more of a command. Hey, just do this, just trust. But the reality is David wrote this psalm. It was inspired by God, but, but David wrote it from real life. And, and as David wrote this psalm, I believe that part of him was trying to, to preach to himself, to encourage himself to, to trust. If you have your Bibles there in Psalm 37, let's look at just a couple more verses in that section. Verse 7 says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked scheme. Look over in verses 
12 and 13. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. Look at verse 14. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. The reality is, guys, the reality is, we're, we're gonna face difficult times. We're gonna, we're gonna face times that, that we're fretting and, and probably the best that I can encourage you to do, the best I can do is to try to trust. Now I know what I need to do. I need to trust. That, that, that song was just beautiful. I, I need to trust. But you know what? Let's be honest. The best I can do is encourage myself is to find the strength to learn how to trust. And, and it happens a couple of ways. One of the ways that we learn how to trust is to give up control. Luke 9.23 says this, a verse I'm sure you're familiar with. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So, so trusting starts with denying ourselves. It starts with us giving up control. It, it was probably 1998, 1999, somewhere in there. It was the second or third year that I took a group to Mexico. Uh, it, it was the last day, and we left early on a Friday morning from Juarez, crossed over to El Paso, and, and this was different than the two years previous. We dropped off uh, Scott Springer, the guy that had led our group. Uh, he, he lived in Joplin. We dropped Scott off uh, at a motel where he was going to stay that day, and, and then we headed out, or we're trying to head out, to Highway 54 that leads us north out of El Paso, up into Alamogordo, and on back back home. Um, and, and as we dropped him, we headed out to Montana Boulevard. Some of you that have been there, you, you were on Montana one when we were down there last year. Uh, out to Montana Boulevard, and I was leading the group. There's four cars. I was leading, and I thought I knew where I was going. Emphasis, key. I thought I knew where I was going. We got out to Montana, and, and then we, we, we hit some construction, and the road was closed, and we had to divert a couple times, and I, I still thought I knew where I was going. And, and I finally went back and forth and turned several times. And Rita, would you agree with this? It, it took it, it took a, a lot for me to finally admit that I didn't know where I was going. I don't know if you've ever seen me admit that before. I don't know if you were on that trip, but <laughs> maybe she was the one telling me you need to get help. But I finally just realized I had no idea where I was. And so we pulled over. I actually kind of pulled over hoping that someone would have some advice. We'll figure it out. My friend Don Hintz lives over at Effingham. Uh, Don came up and I kind of said, hey, man, I just don't know where I'm at. And Don, Don said, he's a farmer, so you farmers, you know, you just have that. Craig, you, you knew which direction we were going the whole time we were down, you and Steve, but we're going north. They'd check it, by golly, we're going north. And, and, uh, uh, and Don said, I know, I know where we are and I know how to get there. And he didn't ask. He didn't give me advice. He just got in his car and said, follow me. And, and, and so we got in the car and took off. It is tough. For me anyway. It is tough to give up control. And worry and fret, when, when we see this in this passage, worry and fret has a lot to do with control. It's either that we look at our life and we realize, man, I am, it's out of control. I, 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 I can't control anything that's happening and that just binds us up and, and, and it just, it just kills us. And man, I, I'm out of control. Man, life is just running away with me and I'm out of control. Or, or we're kind of on that other side is we, we need to give up control, but we hang on to it. Man, I'm going to hold on and I'm going to, I'm not going to let anyone else in. 
Either way, it's about us giving up control so that God can work in our life. And, and it's about giving over confidence. It's not just, just giving up control, but having confidence that God can then lead us. As we got in our cars, as Don said, hey, follow me, I know where I'm going. We, we took off, and he turned one direction, and, and I was thinking, I don't know that I said it out loud, if Rita was with me, I probably did, but, but I was thinking at least, he's going the wrong way. Now, here's this guy that was lost, had no idea what, where, where he was, but, but I was pretty sure that he was going the wrong way. I wanted to honk, Don, Don, no, that way I'm pretty sure, and pretty soon we saw this sign, Highway 54, north, and we were there. It's, it's giving confidence. It's giving over confidence that God can be in control, even if our life's falling apart. Henry Ward Beecher said this, the strength and happiness of a man consists in finding out the way in which God is going and going that way too. It's giving control and it's giving confidence. Say, God, man, I don't know what's happening here. Man, I am up against it big time. There are evil men in my life. There is, there's evil that's, that's up against me. I'm, I'm, I'm going through hardship and heartache and difficult times. But, but Lord, I want to find out where you're going and trust you. I remember it's been several years ago. We had some project going on and, and, and we were, we were doing a special offering. And I, and I, I remember, I remember praying, Lord, what do you want me to give? To, to this offering and and uh, as I was praying a, a number and I don't often do this I'm not necessarily a person that believes really big in this but but as I was praying that a, a number kind of, a, a dollar amount came to my mind that was um, bigger than what I was thinking you know myself before we I started that prayer and my first thought was God are you sure I, I must be misunderstanding that but I just really felt that you know God was calling me to that so sometimes we do that we we argue with God, but the truth is if we give our control and our confidence to Him, uh, it's a safeguard against worry and fret. And then we have to give in to His care. Trusting God doesn't mean that we will will never face difficult times, that we'll never have hardship, trials, heartache, that evilness won't advance against me. It does mean that God will be with me. Uh David faced a giant once. You know the story from First Samuel 17. In verse 37 of that text, it says this, The Lord who delivered me, this is David speaking, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David said, God, I know you're in control. I'm going to give myself over to you. You know the story from Daniel chapter 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bow to to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they, they wouldn't give in, and, and they were arrested, and we're gonna, we're gonna be thrown into the fiery furnace, and this was their, res, their response. They replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves. This is from Daniel 3. Before you in this matter, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace that God, the God that we serve is able to save us, He will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if He does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. It was saying, God, you're in control, and I trust you. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares about you. Because he cares about you. The first safeguard 
when you find yourself in, in times of worry and fret, when you find yourself against a difficult situation, is to trust. And I realize for most of us, trying to trust, but but to trust. The, the second gate, uh, uh, safeguard, and it's kind of an odd one. Notice what he says there uh, in the second part of that verse. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now, there's a couple ways you can interpret that. Does he mean... You're doing good if you trust in the Lord. Well, that's right. But but I tend to think what he really is saying there is what it sounds like. Trust in the Lord and not just trust in the Lord, but do good. Our natural response when we face a hard time is not to have an attitude of doing good. It's not to say, how can I serve? And I don't expect you, I don't really expect you, if you you come home from the doctor and you've just had a bad diagnosis or or you walk in and your boss says, I need to speak to you and and you just lost your job in in downsizing, uh, uh, downsizing, or or you look out and there's a police car in your front yard, and and in the back seat of that police car sits your teenager. I don't expect for your first response to be in those life crises where how how can I serve? I need to serve. I don't expect you to think, man, I hope this is the fourth Monday of the month because Haven House is tonight, and I can go over and feed those guys. I don't expect you to think, where's my bulletin? I need to see nursing. Who's in the nursing next week? I'm going to volunteer to serve in the nursery. I don't expect you to, to, to hope that a mission trip or, or some other opportunity is right around the corner so you can serve. But it does tell us to trust and do good. See, the reality is fretting paralyzes us. When, when all we can see is the giants in our life, when all we can see are the fiery furnaces we're paralyzed. When we see a giant in front of us instead of the God we serve, when we see a mountain before us instead of the God who created that mountain, when we see hardship before us instead of the God who wants to, to hold our hand and lead us through, we get paralyzed. Do you, do you remember this? Is, I don't know, it's been four or five months ago maybe. Uh, I, I think Reed and I saw it on, on Good Morning America. There, there was a video of, uh, of a school lunchroom and the four guys were sitting, teenage boys were sitting at the lunch table, and one of the boys started choking on his lunch, which happens a lot at school lunches. But uh, do we have any school lunch ladies? Oh, I didn't say it. Troy lunches are great in Wathena, wherever. But, uh, but but one boy started choking. I mean, literally choking. He couldn't breathe. And and one of the boys just calmly got up and walked over, did the Heimlich on him, and saved his life. He was on Good Morning America. And, you know, he was a hero. Most people notice that guy. You know who I noticed? I noticed the two other guys sitting around their friend who just sat there. That's who I can relate with. Because had I been in that lunchroom, I would have been one of those guys. If if uh, if I ever go out to eat with you, I just want you to know ahead of time, kind of disclaimer, and you choke on your food, don't look at me and point to your throat. I'm just going to sit there. So find someone else that looks like they're responsible and know that's who you need to throw something at or get up and go to them because I'm going to be paralyzed. <laughs> I, I'll just sit there. I mean, I'll watch you go down and I'll, you know, I'll get ready to do your funeral, but I mean, I, I, I kid you not. I, you think I'm joking. I'm just going to sit there because I get paralyzed. In, in, in situations, that's why God gave me Rita, because so our kids would survive. I, I, I get paralyzed when that happens. 
when when we go up against it, it it it, it paralyzes us if that's all we think about. But serving, serving frees us, and and I think. I'll be realistic here. I, I know I'm not expecting you to jump up and serve just right in the middle of something, but, but man, when you're struggling, when, when it seems like life is down on you, why not follow David's advice? Trust in the Lord and find something good to do. Trust in the Lord and find someone that you can serve. Because, because when we do that, it frees us from our smallness. Last Saturday when we were down in, uh, in Beaumont, Texas, we were, Finishing up, it was about 6 o'clock in the evening at the second house that we, we helped at. And I was walking out to take my tools out to the trailer. And one of the, the team was walking in and she said to me, Hey, there's some lady out in the road that wants to feed us. And I'm, I'm like, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. And not just feed us. She, she wants to feed you pulled pork sandwiches. And I said, I'll go find her. And so I went out and began to talk to the lady. And she said, I've got a 100 pounds of pulled pork here. And, and... I want to feed you guys. I said, well, we're, we're, we're here for you. And, uh, so, so she went to the back of her car, popped the hood up and started making, how many people? I said, there's 15 of us. And she started, she only made 15 sandwiches. Everything in my, in me was saying, make 30, cause, cause I want at least two, but I didn't. Someone else went back and said, hey, can I have another one later? But, but as she's making the sandwich, I, I asked her the obvious question. I said, well, did you get flooded? And she said, no, you know, Bless the Lord, I, my house didn't flood. But she began to tell, her name was Kim, she began to tell her story. She said when the rain started coming, in, in, in Beaumont, Texas, it, it rained 46 inches. Uh, and I don't know, it was 18 hours, I'm not sure what the time frame, 46 inches. So, so the devastation was unreal, but, but her house was high enough, it didn't flood. But she said as the rain came and as the storm hit and reports were out there of flooding all around, she said, I sat in my house and I was paralyzed. I sat in my house and all I could think about was what could happen. She said, I was scared to death and I just sat there fretting. And even, even when the, the rain had stopped and she said, I realized that my house wasn't going to flood, said, I still sat there and I didn't know what could I do. She said, all, I was just overcome. I was just paralyzed with fear until someone knocked on her door and said, hey, can you house a couple people for us? They asked, can you, can you house a couple National Guardsmen who were there to out with the flood? She said, okay. And, and, and she said it went from being two guys that she housed to at the high. She had 30 guys staying in her house. 30 guys that she was cooking for. 30 guys that she was doing laundry for. 30 guys that she had made beds for and made sure that they were comfortable. And, and she said, you know what? I was so busy taking care of these guys that I didn't worry anymore. And, and now that they had all left and it was just teams there cleaning up, she said, I, I, I just wanted to help out. And, and as I, and look, she was just driving through neighborhoods with a hundred pounds of pulled pork in the back of her car saying, do you want something to eat? What, what frees us from, uh, from our smallness and, and then it actually frees us from ourself is served. I think that's why David puts that there. Trust in the Lord. But then take your eyes off yourself for just a little bit. If you have that, take your eyes off yourself, put it on someone else, and you will be amazed how the fretting and the worry uh, falls away. Here, here's the here's the third safeguard. Uh, we're, we're directed to dwell. Uh, it, it says there in the second part of verse 3, 
dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. Now that may not, that may not mean a whole lot for us. That, that may not kind of hit us, but it would for them in, in the promised land and, in, in, in where you're to be. Dwell where God has called you to go. That was the land that God had spoken to them, uh, to their forefathers. This is going to be the promised land. He says, dwell there. Stay, stay put with where you are and stay on purpose. That's right. Just stay put. Dwell where God has asked you to dwell. The, the reality is Israel had a history of when things got tough, they wanted to bolt and run. They wanted to go, go to something else. When Moses was delayed on, uh, on the mount when he was getting the Ten Commandments, they, they always never coming down. We, we better make our own God. So they made a golden calf. When God had simply said, stay put and dwell, that oftentimes Israel found themselves up against difficult times and they looked for something else to give them purpose. Guys, we're called to just simply dwell in the Lord. To stay where He is. To stay on purpose. A couple of weeks ago, we stopped, uh, went down to the airport and met Rita's uh, stepbrother, Jim Burns. He was speaking at a church in Kansas City and we, we met him for just a couple of hours as he was going back to KCI to catch a flight. And as we had supper with him that night, we, uh, uh, he, he was telling a story about his daughter Heidi. His daughter Heidi was born with a, a congenital heart problem and, and has had many surgeries through her young life, probably early 30s, late 20s. And, uh, and, and she started a nonprofit to, 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 to raise funds for heart, uh, uh, heart research and so forth. And, and, and she's had an opportunity to have a, an audience several different places because of this. And, and he said recently they were in San Diego and there was a big 5K, 10K run. Uh, at, at a place in Kansas City that was sponsored by the American Heart Association. And so, so Jim and Kathy met her down there and, and they, they ran together or walked. And at the end of the, the race, they were going to have a time where she was going to tell her story. Everyone was going to be there. All these runners who had ran so that the, that they could raise money for heart disease were, were going to be there. And she was going to quickly tell her story about what all she had done and what she was doing. So she got up on the stage, just getting ready to tell all these people who had a passion for this, about what it was going to do. And the guy came over the intercom. He said, it wasn't, they didn't mean to do it, but the guy came over the intercom and said, the, the beer garden is now open over to the... And her whole audience left. <laughs> Jim said she stood up there and spoke to him and Kathy and her sister and a couple other people that felt responsible to stay there. But everyone else took off. <laughs> Sometimes we're like that. Man, when we face fretting and worries, Israel certainly had a history of that. Man, we want to turn and run to something else. We want to turn and run somewhere that gives us another answer. He says dwell. And finally, we're, we're energized to enjoy the fourth safeguard. Notice what he says there. Uh, delight in the land and enjoy safe pasture. They would have picked up immediately on the concept here. David was a shepherd as a boy. You understood that there were always going to be wolves and 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 bears and they're always going to be someone that was trying to to take away the sheep but as long as the shepherd was there they can enjoy safe pasture folks if we if we put our faith and our trust in the fact that the shepherd is there it will energize us to enjoy it gives us security on may 4 2007 an EF5 tornado hit Greensburg, Kansas. Some of you are probably very familiar with that. In, in a book uh, written by um, uh, by Eric and Rachel Unrell called Tornado Up from the Debris to Thank God, uh, they tell what happened immediately following the, the, 
the, the tornado. It says, finally, finally after what had seemed an eternity, the wind slowed and the crashing ceased. One by one, they pulled themselves out of their place of refuge. As they emerged, they looked above, and what, what they saw shocked them. They saw nothing but blue sky. Mommy, a little voice said, I wish Jesus was down here with us. Uh, Rachel responded to her son Dylan uh, and said, He is Dylan. He's right here. He was with us, keeping us safe through the storm. We just couldn't see him. The reality is we have security in the safe pasture. There is security and there is serenity as we follow him. One of my professors in, in, uh, one of my professors in, in college was, uh, was a guy named Don DeWelt. DeWelt was a, uh, was an interesting guy, a man of great passion and great, uh, great love for the Lord, a great preacher, a great communicator. Uh, he, he had taught at Ozark Christian College for a number of years, uh, several years ago, uh, established a, a publishing house called College Press that, uh, that was in business for many years. Just a wonderful man. And Don DeWell had, was known for what he would say. If you went up to him and said, Don, how are you doing today? He would say, I'm happy on my way to heaven. And that was his, his, his response every time. Don, how are you doing? I'm happy on my way to heaven. Someone told this story about him that, that at the end of his life, the, just a few weeks before he was to pass away, he, he was at College Heights Christian Church in Joplin and, and he was asked to do special music. And as he got up to sing that morning, he said, uh, this song is going to be played at my funeral. He said, this song is going to be played at my funeral because I won't be there. And sure enough, they taped the song and at his funeral, that song was played. There is such hope if we're happy on the way to heaven. There are safeguards. If we'll just try to trust, if we'll decide that we're going to do, just trust the Lord and serve. If we'll be directed to stay put, to dwell in the land, then we'll be energized that the shepherd is watching over us in safe harbor. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that we can be encouraged in the face of the storm up against giants in life. Father, no matter what may come our way, no matter what may be against us, Lord, we have hope and we have strength to you. Father, it's so easy for us to see what is around us and to fret and worry. But you've called us, Father, you've called us uh, to, to not let that overcome us. Father, you've given us safeguards. If we'll just simply trust, if we'll seek to serve, if we'll stay put and dwell in you, Father, you will energize us in those moments. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be in the midst of a battle right now. You may have come here this morning and, and your heart was worrying, your heart was fretting. The, the reality is God calls you to give that to Him. It doesn't mean that the problem's going to go away immediately. It doesn't mean that everything's going to happen just the way you would hope it would. But you're not alone. God is there with you. He wants to give you strength. He wants to hold you. Would you stand as we sing?